Good morning. Time for the farm show here at the Shank of the Day on Wax 104.5. As Jill and Krista and myself, Bob Bosold, bring you the news and agriculture around the area, around Wisconsin, around the nation, and around the world as part of the Midwest Farm Report family. We've got markets, 13 first alert weather. We'll look at all kinds of calendar items and what's going on in the world of agriculture. Again, it's time for the farm show on Wax 104.5. It's the last day of February, and this year that means things are a little different because it is leap day or leap year, February 29th. Doesn't happen very often. Every four years. Every four years. That's not real often, but it is. So did you, uh, by the light of the moon of uh, leap year, did you have any more? You've had three cows have calved, and you got five calves on the ground. Yeah. That Two sets of twins. Not your favorite thing to have happen. No, it's not. Uh, the cows are taking care of them, but uh, the ones from yesterday got to ride in the pickup because I'm too old to pull the sled out to get them in anymore. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Nothing <laughs> so wrong with that. I put one on the floor front and the floor, and the other one sat in the seat. Well, but they appreciated the heater with the cold and windy as it was yesterday. It was nasty. I did something yesterday that I haven't done in over 40 years. I walked across a college campus in the middle of winter with the wind blowing, and I forgot how thankful I am that I graduated and didn't have to do that anymore. But I was over at the University of Wisconsin, River Falls, talking to Dean Michael Orth about uh, what's going on with the college. Every Saturday, you know, we have FFA chapters. We have 51 FFA chapters and the University of Wisconsin, River Falls, once during the year, and coming up next week, what is that, March 8th or 9th? March 9th. March 9th, UW-River Falls College of Ag, Food, and Environmental Sciences will be our, our featured chapter, I guess, or our featured program on the air. So that's a week from this Saturday because this Saturday we have... The Fall Creek FFA. All right. So every week it's a different school, 51 schools and uh, 51 high schools, and of course uh, UW-River Falls and I wish we had more weeks in the year. We got more days this year than we had last year, but uh, more weeks because there are other schools in our listening area that we would love to get on, but we want to make sure we get to these schools once a year. So that FFA program has been going on, and uh, I know a lot of folks have been on that program over the years because it was started back in the 1960s by then-farm director Pat Kelleher, and it's been on every Saturday since... I don't know, 1963, 64. I think Fall Creek was the first ever chapter on the air because the advisor down there at that time told Pat, why don't you do something with FFA every week? And so the program started that way, and it's been going every Saturday morning since then. I know I run into people a lot of times that say, yeah, I remember when you interviewed me when I was in high school in 1982 or whatever, but uh, it's been a great program. And uh, this week, Fall Creek, next week, we have UW-River Falls. All right, today is leap year. You know the history of all this stuff? It's kind of fun. Google leap year this morning. I had a little extra time, so I Googled leap year. We're going to talk about DMC, by the way, dairy margin coverage. It's sign-up time. That's the main thing. Sign up because uh, it it's a program that your lender is going to demand that you sign up for, and so is anybody else, like... Uh, the wife that says, sign up, we need the money. And uh, oh boy, that's for sure, looking at these dairy prices. So we'll we'll talk about that. 
But most people know that, and I'll do a little education here that I found this morning. Most people know that a single day is 24 hours long and that there are 365 days in a year. But it actually takes the Earth 365.242190 days to orbit the sun. So that's why we have to have an adjustment. And uh, that extra point. 242190 to go around the sun is the entire reason why we have a leap year. Centuries ago, people kept track of the sun's position, such as for a solstice or the longest day of the year, to know when to do things like plant and harvest. So again, this is uh, you know something that people paid attention to. And, uh, of course, we've gone through the Julian calendar and the Gregorian calendar. And uh, why add the extra day in February? Well, the people that study this say the Romans considered February an unlucky month. On top of that, they were deeply suspicious of odd numbers. Because February only had 28 days to begin with, they just shoved it into February, so there's nothing really scientific, though Leap Day used to be on the 24th. Now, some other things that uh, we should know about, or should know, I don't think anybody should know a whole lot, it's just if you want to know it, fine. And if your birthday was on a Tuesday last year, you're going to skip over Wednesday and you'll have a birthday on a Thursday, not to mention those poor people that are born on February 29th, a day that only exists every four years. And this is in, there are about 5 million people worldwide right now with a February 29th birthday. The list of so-called leapings includes celebrities such as motivational speaker Tony Robbins and hip-hop artist Ja Rule. I have no idea who Ja Rule is, do you? I have no idea. <laughs> and I'm usually up on those sorts of things. Yes, you usually are. <laughs> oh, there are a lot of things to know. A decades-old French newspaper, satirical newspaper, kind of like The Onion, if you've ever seen The Onion uh, that used to be printed down in Madison. I don't even know if it's out there anymore. But this uh, French newspaper like that goes to print only on February 29th, and this year included, it will be printed on February 29th. I'd like to get a hold of that, although I can't read French. There are also festivities in the leap year capital of the world. You know where that is? I have no idea. I didn't either. Anthony, Texas. And leapling Marianne Brown petitioned Congress to give Anthony, Texas, and Anthony, New Mexico, on the other side of the state, that designation back in 1988 because of numerous number of leap year bursts that happened within those two towns. So just a few things. It's it's leap day today, so hopefully hopefully you'll get out. Get out because the weather's going to be a whole lot better than it was yesterday. We returned to winter yesterday. We're going into spring today, and it sure looks like March is going to be coming in like a lamb. We are going to check out our markets, and, of course, a little later on, we'll check out the markets from the sale barns and see what those calf prices are doing. But in the meantime, Jill, what are the rest of the cash livestock prices doing? Choice-fed beef steers are 178 to 188, with mixed steers at 155 to 177. Choice-fed beef heifers are 175 to 192, with mixed heifers at 134 to 177. Finished dairy cross steers and heifers are 145 to 181, with choice-fed Holstein steers 155 to 162, and select and silage-fed steers 112 to 154. Cows are 84 to 113, with a top of 145. Bulls are 110 to 133. 
Butcher hogs are 35 to 75, with sows at 32 to 46, and boars at 10 to 13. Shorn market lambs are 170 to two dollars. Feeder lambs are 205 to 370, with ewes at 105 to 165. Small goats are 95 to 240. Medium goats are 175 to 280. Large goats are 100 or $275 to $420 with nanny goats at 10 to $300. At the Mercantile Exchange yesterday, cattle prices were lower, hogs were higher. We've got April live cattle closing at 186.12. That was down $1.60. June down $1.40 at 182.17. August live cattle, 137 lower down at 181.30. Feeder cattle, March, 249.60. That closed $3.40 a hundred lower. April at 255.10, down 385. May, 257.97, down 335. August, 267.87, down 272. And September, down 247 at 268.35. We have hogs yesterday higher. April closed at $86 even. That was up a dime. May at 90.45, up 7. June, 99.55, up 22. And July hogs, $100.80. That was up. 35 cents. Going to the look at the Board of Trade and Dairy Markets on the Board of Trade yesterday in the day trade. Uh, prices were higher, a little higher because it's drier in Brazil for the next oh, week to 10 days. So prices were a little higher overnight. July corn, another two cents higher, sitting at 442. The oats unchanged 365. July soybeans down two overnight at 1153. Soybean meal down $1.60 at 329.20. And wheat up three cents at 581. Barrel cheese unchanged 167. The blocks up a half at 161 and a half. Butter down three and a half at 280. February class three down three, and that'll come off the board later today. Thank goodness at 1608. March down four at 1724. April down another seven cents yesterday at 1749. Uh, Tuesday, April milk class three was $18. The trend continues. Early in the week, the class three price goes up. And then from about Wednesday through the rest of the week, those prices go down. It's just a, a trend that's been, uh, just watch it. But again, April class three down seven at 17.49. May down seven cents at 17.77. Then we go out to June to get $18 milk. But for how long? That was down 11 cents yesterday at 18.05. Jim Miller is the chief judge at the upcoming World Cheese Championships down in Madison, March 5th, 6th, and 7th. His grandfather came from Switzerland, uh, started cheese factories down in the Monroe area, and Jim has worked in the cheese industry, dairy plants, or he worked with Kraft, he told me, and other ones as a cheese grater, so he's got a complete career in the dairy industry, especially cheese. And I asked them, you know, we've been facing all these uh, European complaints that the U.S. shouldn't be able to use the word Parmesan and mozzarella and feta and gouda and all these other things. Bologna. They don't even want us to use the word bologna. But I asked them, we've got codex standards. So what does this mean? You've got European judges coming in. You've got European cheeses coming in, of course, for this contest. So are they rattling cages about these sorts of things? Or what kind of standards do the judges have to use in this kind of competition? Yeah, typically we have a combination of FDA requirements and USDA standards. So those are our standards that we follow. Um, so the 142 classes, they're not, uh, some of them aren't 
all within the standard identity, we have what we call open classes as well. That may, where cheesemakers start to get creative with, with their make. So this allows them to also enter cheese into our contest in addition to, like, you know, the cheddars are certainly a USDA standards, uh, mozzarella, you got Swiss, um, you know, those, and you got your, your American style cheeses like Monterey Jack and Colby. Those all come under a USDA standards. And, um, our judges need to be well versed within those standards to judge those. But then when we get into some of these open classes, those are sometimes cheeses that, um, are creative and they, 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 they get creative with flavor and texture and body and that type of thing. And so we have created open classes or open hard class, open semi-soft class and open soft class. And then the judges got to use their years of experience in order to be able to evaluate that product based upon what they've seen in the past. And we do ask the uh, entries to provide a uh, uh, kind of a narrative of their product as well so that we can grade against their narrative. Do the judges, are the judges allowed to say, here are the standards I'm following, but this one is really good, so I'm going to grade it up a little bit because their own personal tastes, in other words, or is it strictly the standards that they will follow? It's, it, when, you, when you're dealing with the product that has USDA standards, those are strictly the standards that they need to follow, okay? Now, when we get into these open classes, we're asking the judges then to use the narrative that they're being given from the, the entrant to utilize that from, for their judging expertise. And again, that's Jim Miller. Just a little bit on that. He said, "He said, uh, yeah, you can't be. I wouldn't be a very good judge because if I, if I was judging, I'd say, oh man, this one's really good. I'm raising it up a little bit, so I wouldn't qualify." But again, these judges are coming from. I think he said twenty cheeses are coming from twenty-seven judges from twenty-four countries, besides, including the U.S., of course. So again, it's coming up. But again, I want to emphasize the the first two days, March fifth and sixth open to the public. So if you want to get down there and watch the cheese judging, you can do that. And farm news. Lots of things going on. Jill, important, important for dairy farmers. As of yesterday, dairy farmers could begin enrolling in the 2024 Dairy Margin Coverage Program. When Congress voted to extend the 2018 Farm Bill, they reauthorized the program for this year, but with some regulatory changes. Those changes include allowing eligible dairies to make a one-time adjustment to their established production history. Last year, more than $1.2 billion in payments were sent to dairy farmers to help them handle the uncontrollable market swings in the dairy prices. For coverage at the $9.50 to 100 weight level, the cost of farmers is about $0.15 cents a hundredweight. Enrollment in the DMC program will end April 29th with local farm service agency offices taking all signups. And if there's one rule or regulation that never seems to satisfy anyone, it's the Waters of the USA rule. This week, the attorneys general in 24 states, along with many farm groups and other industry organizations, asked a federal court to vacate the Biden administration waters of the USA rule. The plaintiffs want a summary judgment from a North Dakota court 
claiming the EPA and the Army Corps of Engineers violated a ruling from the Supreme Court from 2023. From the Midwest, the attorneys generals in Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Illinois did not sign on to the latest attempt to throw out this version of the Clean Waters Act. And on and on we go with the Clean Water Act. Never satisfied. Coming up, protecting our farms. That's an act that's out there. What does it mean and how would it work? That's next. Coming up on a beautiful, beautiful Thursday. This is the Wax 104.5 Farm Report. Before the state legislative session comes to a close, Wisconsin Farm Bureau is banging the drum on an agriculture priority called the Protect Our Farms Act. This bill would stop local governments from implementing stricter rules than the state imposes in regard to animal care. I'm Stephanie Hoff from the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. Farm Bureau's Executive Director of Governmental Relations, Jason Munyaini, says this bill actually stemmed from a national issue. One of the challenges that we're going to continue to see is things that government puts in place as roadblocks to try to prevent the expansion and growth of agriculture. In the past, we've increased uh, protections for livestock siting of facilities. And right now, one of the big concerns that we have is ordinances that could potentially impact animal agriculture and livestock operations. This really all stems back to California's Prop 12 uh, law that was enacted via a ballot initiative back in 2018. And you know, through the court process, the U.S. Supreme Court actually upheld California's right to enact their own you know, kind of animal ag standards as it relates to pork and veal and egg products. But the result of that is because California is a net importer, they're actually enacting those standards on producers from other states. What I'm concerned about here in Wisconsin is those types of standards being enacted at a local level and creating a total patchwork of regulatory circumstances for Wisconsin's livestock operations, for our dairy industry, and for a whole host of different industries as it relates to maybe agrochemicals and all sorts of different things. But as it relates to animal livestock, we have a piece of legislation, Assembly Bill 957, that is called the Protect Our Farms Act, and this would really preempt local governments from enacting standards that aren't really in line with industry standards and uh, really are really only focused on trying to impede agriculture's growth. So one of the things that we really want to make sure that we do here in the state of Wisconsin is that if we're going to have a conversation about animal standards, we should have that at the state level. Consistency is the name of the game so that Wisconsin can stay as, heck, Wisconsin agriculture can have that competitive advantage and continue to really be a pioneer within agriculture. And those types of ordinances are really the things that are standing in the way in a lot of circumstances from the growth of an operation, the solvency of an operation, and uh, really are not there to actually improve anything for livestock. 99.9% of the milk that's sold in the United States has to go through something called the farm program, which already has a set of animal welfare standards. These would be, you know, these local ordinances would try to supplement that, but really the focus of those types of things wouldn't be really to support agriculture, it'd be to hurt it. So those types of preemptions are are important so that we kind of have sideboards for us to be able to have that regulatory 
consistency to continue to operate. Jason, Proposition 12, for example, that's happening in California. Other states on the other side of the nation, on the East Coast, may be looking into similar state regulations. Is Wisconsin, though, you know, our Midwest states, are, are we seeing similar kind of ideologies on that where this is a cause for concern? There are states on the East Coast. Massachusetts has a ballot initiative that they're working to pass on animal agriculture. And obviously we talked about Prop 12. But where I see the way for these types of things to kind of wiggle their way into Wisconsin is, again, at that local level. There's not a real high bar to entry. There's not a high amount of lobbying that has to be done to kind of influence a local government. And those things can kind of proliferate in areas where you're seeing kind of urban areas push into rural. And those urban areas might not have the agricultural background or understanding. We have a right to farm law in Wisconsin, which protects farmers from nuisance lawsuits from individuals. But there's nothing in in place of protections for a kind of right to farm from local governments. So that's really the kind of wiggle in way that we can see these types of ordinances impacting agriculture is at the local level. Jason Munyaini is the executive director of governmental relations with Wisconsin Farm Bureau. Another voice advocating for the Protect Our Farms bill belongs to A.V. Roth of Roth Feeder Pigs in Crawford County. He's been engaged in both the local and national discussions regarding animal agriculture ordinances. Lately, he's been navigating California's Proposition 12. So Prop 12 to me is California setting how I need to farm here in Wisconsin. California can tell their farmers how they want to farm, that's totally fine. But when they say that I cannot sell my pork into California unless it's Prop 12 compliant, I think is wrong. My animal gets a USDA grade and should be able to sold anywhere in the U.S., And even though this is something that's happening in California, as you said, it it puts a barrier up for anyone trying to get into that market. And it's also gotten some attention in Wisconsin from our state lawmakers. What issue are lawmakers trying to address at the state level to kind of stop the ripple effect of Prop 12? The Farm Protection Act. And what it is is just to stop like a township from another township putting in welfare standards of how you can actually raise your animals. So... They put an ordinance, a um, moratorium in Crawford County. There was more on building the, the facility. Uh, it went for about a year and then was taken down. And that's how really a, a moratorium should work. If you want to go and look at something, it should be a short term. Look at the problem, see how it is, and then you take it off and go forward. With the, the Protect the Farm bill, what they're doing is they're, a township is, shouldn't be able to say, like, you cannot raise your animal. You have to raise your pigs without using antibiotics. No, that's not right. I don't believe that. You know, as a farmer, he knows what's best for his animals. The same thing with Prop 12. And with this, I've raised animals my entire life. I come from generations that have raised pigs. Actually, if you go back to 98, we used to be outside in an um, outside facility where the pens actually were Prop 12 compliant. We had 500 sows outside, and we had 50 called in the year prior to moving inside. And 50 were called because of injury, because of something to do, because of the pens and fighting. We went to 1,500 inside the buildings into gestation stalls that the animal has like 16 square feet. And out there they had over the 24 square feet. That's what Prop 12 is telling you they have to have and they have to be able to turn around and not touch any sides. We had 50 called at 1,500 animals, the exact same number. The animals are so much more calmer. It's easy to work with them, giving them shots. Uh, When we were in the pens, they were fighting every day for their feed. 
So you'd, you'd put the feed in in the morning and they would be one sow is going to get more than her share. And there's always one sow in the corner that wasn't getting very much. So that's kind of was the problem with, with that, in my opinion. And so me as a farmer, seeing that throughout my life, I totally think that gestation stalls is a way to go to raise animals. Now, I totally agree that we need the farmer and their veterinarian are the ones that should be choosing how they decide. A certified veterinarian is something that you deal work with every month, if not more than that. So the Protect Our Farms Act in the state legislature, this would ensure that farmers have agency over their agricultural practices. But A.V., my question for you is how, where do you draw that line between uh, a necessary ordinance and one that does cross the line and is you know, hurtful to a farm business? If I'm getting ordinance put on me by someone that never deals with the farm animals at all, I think that's wrong. If they're coming forward and they deal with this on a daily basis like if we have a bunch of farmers got together and said in this township we don't want to have this certain practices then that's fine with me so i understand consistents out there and come and talk to their their board their township board or the county board and they want to put something together but it should be from the people that are at stake with that ordinance and that again well said from av roth who's been a national pork leader uh, for a long time, visiting with Justin Magnani from the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation on that uh, Protect Our Farm Acts. And uh, I know when I was a kid on the farm down in Iowa, we had sows, and there's not a meaner animal in the world. And you get in with those sows, boy, you better be careful. They are mean and they are ornery. They are ornery. I think my orneriest pig that I ever had Always had the biggest batch of piglets. Yeah. But but that didn't make her any less ornery. <laughs> nope. Maybe that's why she was so ornery. She just had so many pigs. <laughs> Maybe. But uh, again, uh, very well spoken by uh, by A.V. Roth. It's, uh, you know, who's making the rules? People that have no idea how animals, uh, how animals work. And it is time to get over to Premier Livestock and with you. Rocky Olson will join us. Good morning, Rocky. Good morning. And you told me you will sell a few hogs today, but really and truly, the hog markets obviously aren't what they used to be. We don't have uh, the mortgage lifters around anymore, do we? No, no, not too many people raising pigs around us anymore, unless they're the the big outfits, yep. you know, yep. raise lots of them. So. Yeah, and we don't have a lot of those either, but uh, there are some. Hey, tell us uh, what's been going on. Today will be the last day of the week, but what's been happening this week? Uh, thank you, Bob. Good morning, everyone. This is how uh, yesterday's dairy cattle auction shaped up. We had a light run. We sold right at 100 head of dairy cattle Wednesday. Uh, but Tuesday, we sold uh, 575 head of dairy cattle in our special monthly heifer sale. That gives us 675 dairy cattle for the week. Uh, Tuesday's heifer sale, we sold them top springing heifers from 22 to 26, top shortbred heifers from 1750 all the way up to 2250, uh, top breeding age heifers from 15 to 1650. Most those open heifers bringing a dollar fifty to two twenty per pound. Very strong trade Wednesday. The better quality cows from twenty one to twenty five fifty. Other cows from sixteen to twenty seventy five. Uh, another dairy cattle auction next week on Wednesday. Looking for consignments for that sale. Uh, here's a recap of the highlights of the week at Premier. Your fed cattle, Choice and Prime Holstein fed steers from one fifty five to one sixty six. Choice B 
beef steers and heifers, 165 to 177. And your market cows high yielding from 115 to 135. Certified organics, 125 to 161. And organic bulls up to $1.74. Uh, newborn Holstein bull calves continue very strong. Newborns mostly from 400 to 665 on the Holsteins. Your beef dairy cross beef calves from 50 to 895 dollars, and your Holstein heifer calves 300 and down. Next week Tuesday, that'll be our big special feeder cattle auction, uh, bred beef cow auction, getting a real nice start of uh, consignments for that sale. Uh, expecting a uh, seven to nine hundred head of feeder cattle for next week's sale. Call in those consignments. Reminder, spring machinery auction right around the corner here, guys. March 15th, uh, we did stop taking small items. We appreciate you don't bring any smaller stuff. Uh, just larger equipment is all we're looking for, and we're limited on the spots of those. Friday morning, that'll be the last day you can bring anything uh, for the sale. If you want it in the ad, it'd probably have to be there by 9.30 this morning to get in this week's ad. Um, any questions, uh, give us a call. Uh, check our website. You can look at all the machinery listings there. We are uh, actively trying to get all the consignments in and get them up on the website and get them uh, loaded on equipment facts. Uh, it's been a lot of stuff coming in here. Uh, like I said, check that all out at premierlivestockandauctions.com. Uh, you're welcome to come by the lot here, guys. Take a look at equipment, drive some tractors. Uh, I haven't counted them yet, but they're on the list there's probably 65 70 tractors there so lots and lots of equipment so that's there, the way it's shaping up there certainly is and uh it'll all sell in well a matter of two weeks not far away that's right all right rocky you have a good one we'll talk to you next week sounds great thanks Bye. there he goes that's rocky olson over at premier livestock in with agriculture it's a Wisconsin way of life. It's Leap Day. Let's get into the newsroom. Morgan McCarthy is with us. Good morning, Morgan. My grandma's birthday. Is it really? Yeah, she's a leaping. Oh, good mm-hmm. for her. Yeah. So what Almost did you, what old did you enough get her? to drink. What did you get? Yeah, I was going to say, what did you get her? Something special? <laughs> Always. And, uh, yeah, she's the only... When I was little, I could not wrap my head around the concept of her having a leap day birthday. Because, oh, yeah. you know, when you're a kid, birthdays are everything. Oh, absolutely. So she, I think she always flipped it, though. I think she always does March 1st as her birthday. Ah, well, whenever, Grandma. Happy birthday. Yeah, happy birthday. But something here that, uh, you know, with our special relationship, you and me, and I know you hang around with that other slug who's around here, too. But uh, <laughs> here you go. So I want you to pay attention to this. Okay. Because, you know, our special bond that we have. Mm-hmm. According to a legend, complaints from St. Bridget prompted St. Patrick to designate February 29th as the one day when women can propose to men. Oh, Sadie Hawkins. That's what that is. Nah, yeah, when women can yeah, when women can uh, when take Sadie the lead. Hawk, what's Sadie Hawkins? Sadie Hawkins. I've is, heard of it. Yeah, it's just another way. So if there's a dance or something, a Sadie oh, Hawkins. Well, that's is, asking a guy to dance. The, girl, the girls ask the guys. That's well, yeah, is. but that's a dance. This is a little bit more everlasting, it so to speak. starts with the dance. As a one day when women, that's uh-huh, you, can uh-huh. propose to men. That's like me. Okay. So, well, let me, I'll be around here most of the day if you want to talk later. All right, I'll see if I can pull you into my office. <laughs> if not now, in four years, right? <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, it'll take me a while to make up my mind. <laughs> yeah, you think on it, Bob. You think right, well, on it. While I'm doing that, what's going on? <laughs> well, good morning. Here's what we're learning today. We're going to start with headlines. to put pen to paper at the Capitol level, and that has a local connection. $15 million in that money was signed into law by Governor Evers, of course, with HSHS and Prevea leaving our area. The money is now earmarked for care 
after that. Originally just for emergency rooms, but with some certain line item vetoes and adjustments, that money will now be freed up to go to other places in the state as well and care options that include OBGYN and mental health services. Not everybody a fan, Representative Rob Summerfield, for example, saying that that change will allow hospitals to send money elsewhere, something says is detrimental. Either way, the Chippewa Valley will lose about a third of care options when those doors close in mid-April. That money now, again, signed into law by Governor Evers yesterday, one step in the process. As we move to other headlines nearer to us, thousands turned out for the memorial service for Burnsville police officers Paul Elmstrud and Matthew Rugg and the paramedic Adam Finseth. That took place yesterday. The three were shot and killed while responding to a domestic incident in February 18th. The service was followed by a procession, thousands turning out to honor those lives lost. And the police chief in that area, Burnsville Sergeant Adam Medicott, who was injured during the incident but has since recovered, spoke at the service as well. In headlines that bring us back to our areas and take us to the courts, we're going to have to wait to see what happens to the woman who drove the Irvin Christmas Park display last December. A judge was supposed to decide on Ebony Hudson's competency yesterday, but she objected to the report before the judge even had a chance to rule on it. Police claim that Hudson intentionally drove through the Christmas lights, and she's due back in court mid-April. Meanwhile, in Toma, firefighters have called in an outside expert to look at the explosion in a downtown business. We talked about this last week. Crews are on site of the sassy girl aroma shop that burned to the ground and now they say it doesn't look like a natural gas leak. They're looking into the cause of the explosion. And as Bob mentioned, it is of course uh, leap day today. We get one of these every four years. What do you plan to do with your day? How about a quick little history lesson, let you know what it is before you make plans for it. NASA says it's not 365 days. The Earth's rotation takes 365.24 and there's a lot to celebrate. It's Superman's birthday. There are special cocktails and it's the reason there's a Sadie Hawkins Day where the girls ask out the boys. Scottish legend says if a woman proposes to a man on leap day and he says no, he has to pay a fine. Seems like a career side hustle for women. I'm Bree Tennis. And I'll get on that right now. See if I see if these knees can get me up and down without <laughs> cracking too much. We head back to the barn with Bob Bosold and Joe Welke, your Midwest Farm Report. My birthday today. How's that? Superman. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it you is. You got to pay attention here. I do. Okay, man. You know what? <laughs> your your cape wasn't on yet. I have oh, that. It must yeah, be at the dry cleaners. Like, I don't like to wear it. It's uh, at the dry cleaners, right? Yeah, it is. Okay. It needs to be dry cleaned a lot. Yeah, you're gonna leap that building right. in a single bound today, Superman. I'm gonna try. Okay. Happy leap day. <laughs> Happy leap day to you, Bob. There goes Morgan in the newsroom this morning. And we've got uh, more farm news to take a look at, including, Jill, the fact that uh, the Agriculture Secretary accepted a report as, I can't imagine running these these departments now. I mean, they're just, used to be the Agriculture Department took care of agricultural things, and now it's such a diverse audience that we have involved in these things. There's a lot to consider, and something that no secretary before him had done. He put together a special commission. And after many months of meetings and testimony, the first ever USDA Equity Commission has delivered its recommendation to Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack. That included 66 recommendations in nine separate areas, ranging from removing bias from USDA offices and programs to do better do a better job dealing with hunger across the country. The commission also recommended that membership on county FSA committees help direct local operations 
so they better reflect the local farm population. Upon receiving the report, Vilsack said, you damn well better know that I take this seriously and everybody who works with me at USDA. And uh, aquaculture. I know we had aquaculture around Wisconsin, but uh, boy, there's some dollars involved here. There absolutely is. And, you know, the corn, soybean, and milk prices were, weren't the only prices that were down last year. So were the value of farm-raised trout here in Wisconsin. State fish farmers who raised trout saw an 18% drop in the value of their fish in 2023 falling to $1.45 million, down from about $1.78 million in 2022. Nationally, trout growers saw a 5% drop in prices in 2023, down to about $100 million. Yeah, there's fish farming in Wisconsin, that is for sure. Something else in the news, Governor Evers has announced that the State Building Commission has approved approximately $370 million in projects across the state, and uh, that will affect our area. Construction of a regional forensic science center and the North Central Technical College campus in Wausau have been approved. Also, authorization for the implementation of the construction manager alternative delivery method for the renovation and expansion project at the UW-Madison Veterinary Diagnostic Lab in Barron County. That lab has been there for a long time as a pivotal institution promoting animal and human health as well as the vitality of the state and national agricultural economy. That lab delivers top-tier veterinary diagnostics. A lot of people don't even know that's there, but it's uh, getting some money for a little bit of a renovation. It's the last day of February, but it's not the 28th. It's the 29th. At Blaine's Farm and Fleet. It's leap year. Be quiet. I'm talking. We've got uh, all kinds of things going on here as we continue through the winter season. And, Jill, get us caught up on some of the activities. Well, today, down in Arcadia, the Allied Cooperative is having an agronomy grower meeting. They're going to be talking about biologicals, proper spraying, and soil testing from 10 till 3 at the Arcadia Country Club in Arcadia. And also today is a beef quality, uh, producing quality beef workshops. And there is one today down at Sparta Equity starting at 10 o'clock. They go and evaluate some cattle and then they travel to Club 16. So that's producing quality beef workshops. That's put on by UW Extension and the Wisconsin Beef Council. And you've got one more day to get your application for the Wisconsin State Fair Century and Sesquicentennial Farm and Home into the State Fair. If you've owned your farm for 100 years or 150 years, it's time to get that award form filled out. Go to the Wisconsin State Fair um, website and the form pops right up and it looks pretty straightforward and filling out. What's the date till we get those in? Tomorrow, March okay, 1st. March 1st. So get those in because it's uh, it's fun. I've been down there at the State Fair when they've recognized the Century and Sesquicentennial Farms and it's, uh, it's an honor. It really is. They really do a nice job with that. March is going to be busy. It's always busy and also tomorrow, March 1st, the Allison Darlin candidates will be announced in Door County. So they'll be looking at the 
77th Alice in Dairyland top candidates, and that will come out at 11.30 at the Landmark Resort in Egg Harbor, Wisconsin. When do they tell you when the Alice Finals? The Alice Finals, obviously, are going to be in Door County this year. Do they they give us the date on uh, on that announcement of the uh, Alice finalists t- tomorrow? May 2nd through the 4th in Door County. Okay, so it should be a good place, good time. Long way away from here, but... Uh, 29 is a pretty good road. All right, what else? And then we've got the Purple Riz- Ribbon Classic. That's on Saturday, March 2nd, starting at 1130 at the Marshfield Fairgrounds Park in Marshfield. A lot of good uh, Holstein animals going to go through that sale. Also, don't forget, the Eau Claire Farm Show is next week, Tuesday and Wednesday. And I've got a pair of tickets and the bus ride to see Brantley Gilbert and Brantley Gilbert will be at the Lacrosse Center on March 23rd. That's what we're going to be giving away. And All I right, look- so bring your cell phone because you got the QR code we'll go to. We don't have paper ballots anymore. Nobody does that. So even even me, we do the QR code now. So bring your phone. We'll take a picture of that, get you all registered for that at the Farm Show. Also on uh, March 6th, I want to say that uh, we will be giving away our Friend of Agriculture Award, and that's going to go to Mark Hagedorn. Mark, of course, longtime agricultural agent here in Eau Claire County and before he retired, and uh, he's coming back on March 6th. So if you want to say hi to Mark, come on in. Come on in both days. It's going to be a lot of fun. Let's go to the markets. Where are we going first? Well, I think we need to go to Baron Equity and hear from Al. Your choice beef steers and heifers today from 146.50 to 158. With your high-yielding choice Holstein steers from 135 to 148.50, we topped out at 153.50. With 20% of our cows today from 107.50 to 117.50, we topped out at 125. With 60% going from 76 to 105.50 and 20% 70 and down. Holstein bull calves today topped out at uh, 440. And we had some feeder cattle in here today from 141 to 159 with your Holstein steers uh, 120. We will be having a small animal sheep and goat sale again on March 16th. So if you have something consigned, please contact me at the market at 608-477-5825. Thank you and have a good day. And before we head to our next market, we I want to make mention of the annual district markets meetings that are announced on Monday, March 18th, will be the Altoona Baron um, meeting, and that will be at the Florian Garden Gardens Expo Conference Center on Lorch Avenue in Eau Claire, and that's at 6.30 p.m. on Tuesday, March 19th. Sparta Equity is meeting at the Dragons Golf Club in Holman, and on Friday, March 20, oh, then the one in Holman's at 6.30. And on Friday, March 22nd, the Stratford Equity will be meeting at the Country Air, and that will be at 11 o'clock. Because Jerry Fitzgerald can't stay awake till 6.30. I would bet that's probably a big reason. <laughs> but we need to head to Sparta Equity and hear from Hot Eman. Fed cattle selling steady today with the high-yielding choice beef steers and heifers 183 to 190. Choice and select beef steers and heifers 170 to 182. Beef and dairy cross steers 162 to 177. High-yielding choice Holstein steers 159 to 164. Choice and select Holstein steers 148 to 158 with unfinished steers. 
Heifers and heavy steers, 104 to 147. Cow market steady. Quality beef slaughter cows up to $8.25. Highly slaughter dairy cows, 105 to 120. Cutters and utilities, 64 to 104. With the low yielding in canner cows, 63 cents down. Bull market steady. Most bulls bringing 115 to 130. With the thin, full of bulls over 2,200 pounds. Discounted at 114 and down. Just a reminder, our next sale will be Monday, March 4th, starting at 11.30 with sheep and goats, followed by hogs, calves, fed cattle, bulls, and cows. This is Hut Eamon at Equity Livestock in Sparta with this marketing update, and we thank you for your business. Hey, let's get over to Equity Stratford where the night owl is with us, Jerry Fitzgerald. Good morning, Jerry. How cold is it this morning over there? Well, good morning, too, Bob. I got up before earlier. It was at 9, and now oh. I have uh, looked out just a minute ago, and now it's 10, so oh, we're up on the good. way up. Go in the right direction, and we'll get some southwest winds that'll warm us up. Well, it's uh, already Thursday, busy week. Tell us about it. I will do that, Bob. Thank you, and good morning, everyone. A summary from yesterday, Wednesday, here at Equity Stratford. We'll start out with the feeder cattle sale yesterday. Of course, uh, just a bit of a lighter run on the feeder cattle, mostly due to the cold weather. But uh, most of the feeders yesterday were Holsteins and uh, selling on a fully steady trade. Uh, lighter weight Holstein feeder steers were selling from 175 to 222, and your heavier Holstein feeder steers mostly from uh, 140 to 205. Now we'll get into the market auction yesterday. Our cow market steady to strong, continued good demand on the cows. High yielding fleshy Holstein and beef cows yesterday selling from 108 to 122 we did top at 128 on the cows most of the cows yesterday sold between 86 and 107 thinner cows uh, plainer cows 85 and below on the bull trade fully steady on the bulls good quality bulls are selling from a dollar 14 up to a top of 126 and a half lighter weight bulls below 110 fed cattle also fully steady choice grading holstein steers are selling from 140 to 158 high yielding choice and prime holsteins from 159 to 165, select grading cattle on their finished cattle, 138 and below. Calf market also continues to be very strong. Good quality Holstein bull calves yesterday, selling from uh, 400 to 625. Heifer calves, uh, mostly from 150 to 300. Your good quality beef calves, very strong also, and they're selling from 500 up to 850. And we are at Thursday. We'll get underway this morning at 11 o'clock. Market auction today, uh, of course, for sell cows, of course, market uh, market bulls and fed cattle, baby cows. We'll get to those about uh, 12, 12.30 this afternoon. And uh, you guys uh, outlined the meeting schedule, so uh, thanks for that. And uh, But just a note, um, they do want you to pre-register, so there is a, there's a link on the Equities website. You can just uh, click on that, and if you can't find that, just give them a call down there, and uh, Julie will have you registered and uh, be set to go. So we say goodbye to February, and what a month, huh? Yeah, that's for sure. And if you don't register for those meetings, get to the door. Just tell them you know Jerry Fitzgerald, and that'll get you in. That's uh, that's the secret code. Either that or you'll, you'll get uh, some kind of a look or whatever. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> Have a good one, Jerry. We'll talk to you in the morning. You bet. Thank you, guys. There you go. Jerry Fitzgerald over at Stratford. Board of Trade was a little higher yesterday, drier in Brazil. Overnight, July corn up two at 442. The oats at 365. Soybeans down two on the July contract, 1153 with meal down $1.60 at 329.20. And the wheat up overnight, three cents, 581. Country elevators today. Corn and Loyal's at 359 with soybeans at 1047. Arcadia, corn's at 376 with soybeans at 1051. And in Chippewa Falls and Connersville, corn's at 354 with soybeans at 1060. And on the DTN screen at uh, Golden Plump, corn today is uh, 382 at Baldwin, 360 and 1062 on the beans. Corn at Duran, 355, beans 1052. 
Mondovi 360 on the corn, 1057 on the soybeans. Elmwood 364 and 1062. Fall Creek, the corn is 353, beans 1052. Osseo 370 on the corn, 1062 on the beans. Elk Mound 369 and 1063 at Sparta, the corn is 360. Soybeans 1043. Ellsworth corn 350. Beans 1052. Ethanol plants, corn at Boyceville 375. Stanley in the Richmond 370. Barrel cheese unchanged, 167 blocks up a half, 161 and a half. Butter down three and a half at 280. February class three down three at 1608. March down four, 1724. April down seven at 1749. May down seven, 1777. And June down 11 at 1805. Thank goodness the weather is going to get better than the markets. Enjoy it. You've been listening to the Midwest Farm Report. Available at WaxRadio.com in its entirety every day. Brought to you in part by Bluff Country Feed and Seed and Montovi. On-demand content at WaxRadio.com.